You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. So here we are. But sometimes I think that when I come in, like, you know, pinch hitting, it's almost better because you don't have time to, like, obsess over anything or, like, you know, get too into it. So, you know, that's where we're at. Um, this might be sound a little familiar to some of you based on what you guys spoke about at your life group, it sounds like. And if you were a part of our kind of leadership meeting last week, um, that was kind of connecting with something else that happened in my life. So I thought, you know, let's, let's go with that. Um, and so today we'll be talking about being lights in the world. Um, and we'll be talking out of Philippians. My family always gives me a hard time because when I was younger, I would always put an M in there like Philippians. Um, yeah, and they mocked me. So Philippians, dad, 2, 14 through, or 12 through 16. And actually, this is my first time ever um, speaking on a passage that I've spoken on before, but like a totally different message because kind of like Matt was saying, you know, there's always something new, which is cool. So fun stuff. Um, so a little bit of background, how this came up as a topic in our, uh, in our meeting last week was Louie and Joni, um, a few weeks ago, you, uh, they were out when Louis Sr. spoke. They were in Modesto for uh, a church that where the pastors before have been there, you know, like 30 years, like 30 years. And so then a new younger guy was coming in and people are set in their ways. And he was observing uh, while he was there that this young pastor is just dealing with like rampant complaining and arguing, um, people taking offense at any little thing he does, right? They want to, you want to change something. He's like, well, you can't do that because so-and-so, you know, donated this like a billion years ago and we have to keep it because, you know, their family, they're dead, but the family is still here and all these things and, um, and just negativity. And uh, it sounds a lot like my dad came into a church that's like a small, you know, rural community and the people have been there a long time and um, over time, they've been more able to change. But at first, there was a lot of, like, you do any little thing, you know, and everyone's upset. And so it had um, Louis thinking about that, complaining and you know, like grumbling type of thing and attitude and negativity. And so um, that's what he ended up going into and in um, bringing up in our leadership meeting last week. So that's where we're kind of going today. So starting off, uh, reading from Philippians Philippians, did I put it in there? I think I did, I don't know. But anyway, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, just note real quick on that one, um, it's God who works in you, not you that works in you. So just save that for later. We'll, we're going to come back to that later. But do all things without grumbling or disputing. Really? Do I have to? Oh, wait, was that a grumble? <laughs> Shoot, I already messed up. <laughs> it's tough, right? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And you know that... By now, you probably know that you're not going to get me up here without getting some kind of mention of like a word study of the original Greek or Hebrew. So like, here's your dose. Um, but so I looked up, you know, these grumbling or disputing because, you know, I, I want to know exactly what I'm being told not to do and so that I can know what I can do. Right? <laughs> yeah. So grumbling, um, that word that's in there in the Greek, it's also translated sometimes as murmuring or grudging. 
And so it's kind of like holding a, a, it's a secret debate or secret displeasures that aren't openly avowed. So things that you kind of, you're upset about, but you just kind of, you know, grumbling, murmuring under your breath, talking to like others, but not actually being open with it. Um, holding a grudge. I thought, how many times has someone held a grudge against you and you didn't even know it? Or you've held a grudge against someone and they were totally unaware. And then when they find out, they're like, oh my gosh, like if I would have known, it was just a misunderstanding, right? So that's this idea, like holding a grudge. Um, when it's paired in this context with the adverb that comes before it, it means to do all things without quarrelless discontent or to do it, alternatively, to do it with a cheerful and a willing mind. Um, and then, and when I thought of this word, I thought of kind of like being passive aggressive. It's kind of, and I, in my family, another thing that my, especially my dad would always give me a hard time about, because he's like, there's the opposite end, right? There's like passive aggressive, and then there's like explosive aggressive. I'm like, probably neither are good, right? Um, but he's like more open to, you know, I'm just gonna voice it, and so it would drive him crazy when I would be like passive aggressive. Um, and then, and so then the disputing part of this, it's also translated as thought, interesting, in other parts of uh, the Bible. And it's like the thinking of a man who's deliberating with himself. So it can be an inward thing, disputing with yourself and your mind, like a doubting or a hesitation, a uh, questioning about what's true, um, or it can be an outward thing. It can be an arguing. Um, and so I really like this definition that was in uh, the, the Bible definition was the disputing can be the reasoning of those who think themselves to be wise. Yeah, uh, which I think we're probably all guilty of that at times, right? Um, and this made me think of kind of like, uh, the, I was also, I've been reading in 1 Corinthians, and that church, Paul's specifically writing to this church that's full of like divisions and contentions. And so this is kind of the image that I had in this, um, when I think of grumbling and disputing, kind of this church that there's all this like, disagreements and infighting, or you can kind of think of like denominational things, or just, you know, people with different worldviews and like expressing it poorly, right? And I think that one thing is we can, people can take verses like this, do all things without grumbling or disputing, or things about, um, you know, being slow to anger and things like that, and turn it into a teaching that's like, you're not allowed to have negative emotions, no negative emotions, Right? Well, what is a negative emotion? Instead of no negative emotions, think of it as like, there's no such thing as a negative emotion. They all have their place. Like, this isn't saying that it's not okay to ever feel upset, right? It's not saying don't resign yourself, or it's not telling you to just resign yourself to when something is wrong, or to never get upset, or to, it's just telling you to not keep it bottled up, or to not spread it around the wrong channels. Um, it's okay to have those things, but then we have to learn how do we process them. Because there's no negative emotions if we are created in God's image. And so every emotion we have like comes from, that means he has emotions. Now he just knows how to properly respond to them. And we do not. And they get us into trouble. So you're allowed to have these things. And so, so okay, where do I vent my, or express myself? Well, you can vent to God. Uh, I like to vent to my spouse. Now, Cole... Like in the, you know, there's negative people, everybody knows negative people, and then there's like crazy positive people, and, you know, they always like, Louis always likes to point to like Joni and Cole as these like overly positive, you know, they're always positive and always encouraging, which is true, and at first, 
it was even to the point where like if I wanted to complain or vent about something, <laughs> he is, almost wouldn't let me. And I was like, just can I just be upset about it for like a month? If there's, if there's one place I'm allowed to vent in this world, is it not like in my home with my husband? I have to get it out now so that I don't do it in those other places. So he's better at that. He lets me just, yeah. Um, so we can vent to God and we can vent to our spouse, right? Louis said at our, um, at our meeting last week, our um, GROW meeting, our leadership meeting, he had asked, um, you know, how we as believers, how we combat that temptation to be negative or to grumble. And his response was when he has those feelings, he said he likes to pray angry psalms. And so I looked up some of my favorite because I wanted to show you how cathartic this really can be. Imagine this, you're angry and um, you just open up your psalm and you say to your, like, you know, you have enemies, Lord, let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I just like that kind of like, I hope they trip and fall, right? <laughs> or he says, God, break the teeth in their mouths. Just knock them, you know, get a punch in the face, I guess. Um, <laughs> this one, so creative, Okay. So creative. David said, let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime. Yeah. Oh, how cathartic, right? Oh, man. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. It's epic. Um, he also gets, like, way intense. So those ones are a little, like, we can laugh about them. But um, he really felt these things, right? And he was letting it out, um, but in, in Psalm 109, he really gets intense. Uh, that one would be, you know, if you need to let something out, um, feel some feelings, that is a good place to go. Psalm 109, um, David's writing, may his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all he has and strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. He's bringing his kids into it. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any pity, nor any pity his fatherless children. May his prosperity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation, so may he be forgotten. However, he says, David says, may he be forgotten, but may the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. And let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. So he even brings the guy's mom into it. Um, so David is saying, like, let him be forgotten, but let his sin be remembered forever. That's, that's pretty deep, right? Um, and there's also psalms for when you're feeling, maybe it's not anger, maybe it's you're just like, woe is me, pity me. David prays things like, Lord, be gracious to me. I'm in distress. My eye is wasted from grief and my soul and my body also. You can just hear him, right, moaning. My heart is in anguish and horror overwhelms me. I'm poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. Now, we do this in our house. We, it's become a joke at this point where if I'm, like, complaining about something or I'm just like, can I just be sad? And I just go, pity me. And he'll pity me. And then when he was sick the other day, he was complaining about something, and then I made a joke. Or he's like, am I pitiful? And I was like, yes, you're very pitiful. So that's, like, our language to each other in our home when we need to be pitied. We just, pity me. Um... <laughs> Um, so these things are okay, right? But that is how we can, we can feel these things in the right, in the right responses. And then um, we were talking about in our group, so how do we process them? If they're not bad emotions, right? Um, they're there, what do we do with them? And we were kind of discussing in a little discussion group last week 
And we're, we kind of came up with, so we, we need to pause and we need to ask ourselves, like multiple of us kind of said, we ask ourselves why. Why am I feeling that? Um, is it a me problem? Because a lot of times it's just a me problem, <laughs> right? Um, or is it a legitimate thing? It can be. Um, is it because I'm making assumptions? Um, if it is a real thing that needs to be addressed, how can I address this situation respectfully and honorably, not grumbling, holding a grudge, not murmuring amongst ourselves and creating divisions? But how do we address it respectfully and honorably? Going to someone and saying, hey, this, you know, have me feeling this way. I'm concerned about whatever. Can we talk about it? Right? There's a way to do this going to the person uh, and not just grumbling and complaining. Another thing that I thought about was uh, if this is happening, happening continually, if you're one of those, so we can all have negative emotions. But then some of us are just like, we just are, man, I'm a really, I'm just, you're having this realization, I'm a negative person. Like people are telling me I'm a negative person, just like always negative, right? And that is like another issue. Um, so what do we do then? Well, if this is a trend, then one thing I think is a great tool is we need to change our thinking because there's something in us that always goes, Negative, right? Um, and so we're instructed uh, very nicely, a good tool in, later on in Philippians 4.8. Uh, Paul wrote, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So if you find yourself always going to the negative, then maybe we need to change our thinking. What is it that I'm, you know, I need to think about what are the things that are true and honorable and just, commendable, worthy of praise, that I can put in me instead and have to when I realize these things are happening and go, I can go to those things, right? I have a roof over my head, and I have uh, food to eat, and I have just, like, a, I have life, and um, whatever it may be, simple things that are worthy of praise. You can just say, God, you know, the earth, like, we live in a beautiful place. If you need something to think positive about, get yourself, come up here to the church parking lot and take in that view. You got the city, you have the mountains. It is gorgeous, okay? That is a thing you can, man, this is worthy of praise. God, you are an artist. Thank you. This reminded me of, uh, I, I used to have a little, some anger issues. And when I was like first out of college, living in, in SoCal, and luckily where I worked, I would go opposite of traffic. But there was still moments where you would get in. I would be leaving work and I'm going towards, normally I was coming from like inland going towards the city uh, after work when everyone else is going out of the city. But sometimes I would just get on the road and there like you would just boom, hit traffic as soon as I get on the freeway, the 91. And it was on under construction the whole time I was there. If anybody's from that area, you know, you know. So I would just get irrationally angry because in my head, I'm like, I want to go home, or I want to go to the gym, or I want to whatever. I have this, like, plan in my head. I have a destination in my mind, and I'm so task-oriented. And so, like, I'm leaving. I'm like, thank, and I didn't like my job very much, right? So I'm like, thank the Lord. I'm getting out of here. Get my car. Get on the freeway, and boom. And I would get so mad. And when I get mad in my car, I would just punch the top of my car. 
I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I hurt my hands sometimes. I like cracked my knuckles when it was cold and dry. If I like hit, I would crack my knuckles. And there, and there was one time I remember that I get on the freeway and I, you know, hit traffic, car in front of me. I you know I hit my brakes and I'm so mad and I hit the top of my car, and I look at the car behind in front of me, and on their uh, back window was like the what do you call it shaka or whatever, but a hang loose like logo, right? And it, it just like cut right to my heart in that moment. And it was just like, hang loose, man. Like, chill. It is some cars. Like, you're gonna get home. Okay? And um, and that, like, I think I need to get probably, because the other day I got, like, mad in the car again. Like, it's not a normal thing anymore, but and I remembered that moment. And I was like, maybe I should get some kind of thing that, like, hangs in my car or something that's that imagery um, so that it will remind me of that. Like, to change my thinking. They're like, this is not the end of the world, okay? Like, maybe it's going to cause you, like, it's going to open up to me, like, 15 minutes, okay? Chill out. But you can pull that into other uh, parts of your life. So if that helps you, you know, maybe think, hang loose. Change your thinking, okay? Relax. Um, think about something good, happy. Um, so, so, I, so continuing on from there, after he tells us to do all things without grumbling or, com- or disputing, um, and he tells us um, so that we can... Actually, yes, that's why we do this. Here we go. (laughs) So do this, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So he tells us that by not disputing or grumbling by not being negative people and spreading that around, we are going to look different. We're going to stand out in the world and we're going to shine as lights. And so what does that mean? Now we're going to talk about that. So um, whenever I hear that verse, I always think of our foundational verse, Hillside's foundational scripture uh, in Matthew 5, which says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, may, typo, may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Give glory to your Father. We shine as lights, and we let our light shine to give glory to our Father. Um, This, to me, just stands like this should be my primary goal that accompanies all my earthly goals, all the things like it's good to have earthly goals, right? But along with that, needs to always be in the background. Everything that I do, I will do X, you know, whatever my goal is or whatever. I will do my job to the best of my ability. I will be the best friend that I can be. I will be, you know, whatever it is. I will do this. So that, or in order to, or I will do it in a manner that brings glory to my Father. Um, The other thing that stands out about this to me is that shining, letting your light shine, or um, giving light, it also said in that passage, is an active thing. It is not a passive thing. Um, And this is like an either or, right? You're either shining actively, emitting light, or you're dark, and you're part of like the darkness. It's not an option just to not be negative. 
Um, but you have to be actively shining, spreading hope and joy. Um, and that doesn't mean you ignore when things are not good, right? You can acknowledge that. But how do we reframe that? How do we put hope into that situation? Um, shining. And it's not passive, right? It's an active thing, which means it's not silent. And active, right? You can't be silent either. But you don't grumble, but you're not you're also not silent. So you actually have to approach, if there is an issue, you, you do need to approach the situation. And we talked in our discussion group about this. It came out as like um, the idea of speaking the truth in love. And I was, a lot, I think a lot of people can write, can, can write to the, the balance of that. How do I speak truth to people and to the world, whether they be speaking truth to a fellow believer or someone who's not a believer. And those are gonna be two very different approaches, right? And how do I do it in a way that isn't compromising the truth, but also isn't judgmental? I'm not attacking, I don't wanna attack anyone. Um, And so for me, a lot of that is what I've learned through being here. Uh, And I think like Louis has, has taught me really is this approach of pointing people towards Christ and letting him do the work of correcting and convicting. And it's like, God's territory is to do the judging, right? Not me. Um, right? If you go back to that very first verse when I said, it's God who works in you, not you that works in you, which means it's also God who has to work in them, not you that's going to work in them, right? So pointing people to Christ and letting him do the work. Um, because we're told multiple times not to, James tells us that, uh, There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? That's God's work. Uh, Or in Romans, Paul tells us also, therefore, you have, he's convicting them on things they're doing wrong. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Ooh, right? We, uh, we do, we point things out in others and we might not have that same particular issue, but we got our own issues. Um, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So we can trust that God's gonna handle that. And um, one thing in, in our life group that kind of came up recently, we've been, as we've begun, people really just wanna get to know each other. They want deeper relationships and connection. So we started out by just sharing our um, testimonies with each other. And something that has become apparent is people are being very vulnerable. And it's like, everyone's like, wow, I really appreciate that. Like you sharing that and feeling like you can share that. And for some people, it's been great because they're like, man, you know, I, I never would guess that about you. Or you, I've been intimidating by you, intimidated by you because you seem like you have it all together. Or you're this great, like you haven't had struggles or battles. And you always get pointed to as, you know, Cole shared um, at our last meeting and that was right Louis loves because he this is great positive you know figure and encourager and so you like to point to him as like yeah be like Cole right and Louis will make these comments but um he has his own you know past in history and so when he shared people were like wow it was really encouraging to not that like wow it's really good to know that you're screwed up too but (laughs) not exactly what I mean but um it it's important to come at it with, a, with humility and vulnerability um, because then when you are open in your own testimony about what God's brought you through, 
then when you speak into someone else's life, they know it's not just this demeaning, right, judgmental thing. It's like, no, I, I have issues too. I just told you about it, right? So, um, so they're much more accepting to the truth that we have to tell. And I think that's where, that, you know, a lot of the love comes in there. Even Paul practices this. In 1 Corinthians, he is telling them, uh, he says, I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. He acknowledges where he came from and that it was God. So because if you read the rest of that book, he is telling them a lot of things like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? Um, right? But then he comes in and says, look, I also need this grace. I'm only who I am because of the grace of God. You, and just trying to get them to accept the same thing. He also says the same thing in, in Timothy. Um, when he's writing Timothy, he says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I have received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then a uh, Again, tells, calls himself the foremost among all sinners. <clears throat> so, um, so this shining, being a light, why and not grumbling, not being negative. I kind of tied in Louis' normal question of what are we doing this with, like a why is this significant? And my answer is like, going to answer both. So why is it important or significant for Christ followers to avoid this negativity or getting offended or grumbling? Um, and in our grow meeting, he termed it as, uh, as taking offense or getting offended. And that, I'm sorry, another word study here. And so I looked at that word, the offended word um, in Greek, and it's scandalizo, um, like a scandal, right? But it really means to entrap someone or it's a stumbling block. It's the same word that's used when Paul's saying like not to be, don't do any, like yes, you have freedom, but don't do anything that would be a stumbling block to another. Um, so don't do anything that would cause them offense. That's also how it's phrased. Um, so it's something that, like, when we take offense or when we cause offense, we're actually causing people to fall away. That's another way. To entice them to sin or to fall away or to cause a person to begin to distrust or desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. Um, so that's a pretty big deal, right? We don't want to be doing that. Um, and also to be different to look different than the world, so the people ask questions, right? Um, they, there was a spot, um, Paul also tells them not to, to not grumble, and he says, as some of them did, he's talking about, he's like reminding them, don't do these things because we have this picture to look at, he's telling them, remember your fathers when they were in the wilderness, the Israelites in the wilderness, and they were grumbling and complaining, and he says, don't grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer, now these things happen to them as an example, and they're written for our instruction. So you don't want to be destroyed by the destroyer. Um, but I actually had a chance this past week to like see this very thing happen in like real time, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is why it's important not to do this. So, um, and one area that I've always felt strongly about, um, where like I feel called to be involved as a light, is I've always been really interested in um, when it comes to like culture and political issues. And so that's always a challenge because how do I balance, um, you know, I want my faith to become first. And then I know that I can have, just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean we have to see exactly on every political issue. I want to be clear with that. Um, but there are some things that, you know, I think this is just what the Bible says, right? So, um, and this is true and this is good. 
And so we went to, uh, Cole and I went to a library board, Washoe County Library Board meeting this past week because it was on the agenda to discuss um, Drag Queen Story Hour, which is a, a program they have that they, they've done it for a few years, which I, I wasn't aware of. But, um, and so they had public comment. And so we went to see what was, what was up, what was going on. Um, and so during public comment, I you know, approached and you know, very respectfully, and I, the other thing I know is this is a, this is a state like institution, they're not beholden to the Bible, so I'm not going to come up there and start like spouting scripture at them, right? Ineffective. Um, and I also don't want, I'm not attacking anybody, like, you know, I don't want anybody to be, like, them to feel like they're being attacked for their views or for somebody else's way of life. Um, so that wasn't the way that I would approach it, right? And just simply maybe stating a concern or whatever it was. But then there's another group of people who came in, and I, like, watched them come up, and they might even... I might even be sympathetic to their arguments, but man, it was not presented well. They came in and they were just saying, this is an abomination and this is blah. And, they, and I'm like, this is not helping. You're not helping like your situation at all. If you want the end of this program, this is not the way to do it. Um, and, and there were people on the other side, and most of the people on the other side of the argument were pretty respectful. There was someone on that side that also was not respectful. Um, and... And then, so public comment over, and we back up, and there was a woman in front of me, a mom, and we were both, like, so frustrated by these people. I'm like, they're totally detracting from anything true that has been said or good that has been said here. And she's like, yeah, and they do it all the time at every meeting, not just the library meetings, but, like, every, you know, county commissioner meeting, all this stuff. And, um, and, and then the meeting continues on. People, and they're doing another, they're, they're giving a presentation or whatever, and the guy that started the program is giving a presentation on kind of the history, and we watched a video of, they had, of one of the virtual ones, and the book was actually very cute um, that the person was reading. And so I will say that, they picked a great book. Um, but then there's all these people, all these curmudgeon people, and, the, and they, they can't just sit there and be respectful. They were like speaking up and all this stuff, and then the, the board had to keep saying, this is a meeting, this is a meeting. Um, and it was driving me crazy. And in that moment, I was like, this is why we don't grumble, complain, or like create offense, because it detracts from the message. It detracts from, so when we're doing this, if we're trying to share the gospel with someone, or if we're trying to speak into someone's life, and we're doing this similar thing, right? It detracts from your, the message, God's message, the gospel, right? And that's why it's of critical importance that we are careful of that. Um, and so I don't know what, I guess, moving forward, I mean, I think that I've balanced it well, but it made me think, like, where, how can I do this better and, um, and also convince others that this is the way we need to show more love and grace um, because of the grace, like Paul said, because of the grace that we have received, uh, is why we extend that to others. So you probably got uh, a shorter one today because it was a little, you know, last minute. But um, but prayer will be available afterward uh, at the back with Cole and Lisa. Uh, and I will pray for us and, and bless us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, this day, Lord. Thank you for all of the uh, wonderful things you've given us, Lord, the blessings. God, thank you for the grace that you've extended to us. God, uh, help us to um, 
to remember that, to be aware of that, Lord, and extend that to others, God. Show us how to be lights, how to process our um, negative emotions without grumbling and complaining, Lord, how to do things honorably and respectfully, Lord. Help us to speak the truth in love to others so that we don't cause offense, that we don't cause them to fall away, but we just point them closer to you, Lord. And we thank you that we can trust you to do the work in them and to bring them to you, to do the correcting, Lord, and, and to offer them that same grace and mercy you've extended to us, God. Um, we thank you, Lord, and uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And we wouldn't be done without blessing you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So go in peace. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside, the number 4, dot org.